It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. It's Saturday morning, so it must be green and growing just after 6 o'clock. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Scott Maxim did an excellent job filling in for O'Neill this morning. If you listened to the show just prior, um, Scott Maxim actually used to work the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and I. He was his longtime producer, so I'm really happy to hear him there on the air. And I'm with you until 9 o'clock this morning, followed by Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It Show. I've got Brent, I've got DeMarco, and you, 404 Eight seven two zero seven fifty with any of your lawn and garden questions or comments or tips and tricks. Anything you want to share, uh, we'll help each other out. And I'm a little stuffy today, so if I sniffle and talk funny, that's that's why. But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Ready to host a show. Ready to host a guest beginning at 7 o'clock. Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia. Turf grass management expert, specialist, PhD, all of those things. You know, I visited him at the Griffin campus of the University of Georgia about a month ago. Had a great time, learned a lot. Try to get him on the show every fall because this is such a busy time when we really need to be planning ahead to, you know, having the nice lawn that we're going to want next spring and next summer. So Clint's going to join me here in studio in just a little bit. And at the bottom of the hour, Walter Reeves, of course, the Georgia gardener, coming along to talk about uh, vining plants for the fall and also gourds, all kinds of pumpkins and things that you just may not even realize are in the gourd family, but things you can be growing and things you can be doing. I have some questions for him. 404-872-0750. I wanted to start off by um, letting you all know how valuable it is to me to have listeners, to have colleagues, to have friends share their experiences with me in person and on the Facebook page to Green and Growing WSB. That's the Facebook page. And I've got a listener, Anthony, good morning, in New York, listens in New York every single week. And he sent me some really great publications from Pennsylvania, actually. It's the Pennsylvania Penn State Extension. Um, But very interesting reads, and I did a lot of research based on the stuff that Anthony sent me. And wanted to share a little bit of it with you, because you've heard Dr. David Coyle from Clemson on with me at least three or four times a year. And I'm fascinated talking to uh, Dr. Coyle about invasive species and invasive pests. And that's always something that we need to be conscious of as folks that spend a lot of time outside. It's kind of our responsibility to let experts and scientists know when we see things that just aren't quite right. Because one moth, one bug that you see could actually have devastating consequences on our ecosystem. So I thought it interesting that Anthony sent this publication from Penn State Extension. And it's about the spotted lanternfly. And that's not something you've seen in Georgia, at least I hope. Not yet. And you may not. But they're uh, common in Pennsylvania. They've also been seen in other states in the area. Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, so that just is an indication that they may be making their way south. And the reason I bring this up is just to remind you of how important it is that we really pay attention to our surroundings and know that this guy, he's an invasive pest doing a lot of damage in Pennsylvania. So the extension going out of their way to make folks aware of this, they're feeding on tree of heaven, which I don't know that that's all that common down here, but other host plants for them like grape. Hops, apple, maple, poplar, walnut, willow. So those are all things that we do have here 
that they could be introduced to, certainly. First detected in Pennsylvania in 2014, likely came from Asia. Actually, that is where a lot of invasive species seem to come from. And you think, how in the world? It's a moth, spotted spotted lanternfly with those wings. How can you possibly fly across the ocean? Well, you know, a lot of times we're responsible for transporting these things without even knowing it on campers, on trucks, on firewood, things like that. So this is just a very interesting thing. And the reason I bring it up, it's in Pennsylvania in the Northeast, could be moving to Georgia, but all the way over in Kansas, this girl did a science project for a 4-H entomology contest. And on her board, she had pinned a dead spotted lanternfly. And the judges at this 4-H contest in Kansas were really taken aback seeing that. And it actually triggered a federal investigation. Not that the student did anything wrong by any means, but how in the world did, did that moth end up in Kansas? So she said she had just found it dead on her porch, picked it up. She had properly identified it, had it as part of her project. So there have been quarantines in Pennsylvania in up to 45 states, and that is growing when it comes to this bug, when it comes to the spotted lanternfly. So fascinating that it ended up in Kansas. They do think it likely came in on a camper or something like that. And, you know, when Dr. Coyle was here just a few weeks ago, I got into a little bit of trouble because we transport firewood when we go camping with our travel trailer. You know, it's just cheaper to bring your own rather than waiting to get there and buy it there. So we actually have traveled to Myrtle Beach and Polaresville and, you know, not necessarily always outside of the state, but carrying that firewood around and things like that, really, you might be carrying insects unbeknownst to you and you don't mean to. Um, Two of the ones that we've talked about before that affect us here in Georgia that we may want to be on the lookout for, emerald ash borer, that's one, and that does extensive damage to where the the trees are just rendered completely leafless. And another that uh, Dr. Coyle and I talk about, Asian longhorned beetle. That is so prevalent in South Carolina, as a matter of fact, that they've had billboards, they've had a marketing campaign, and it all comes back to engaging us. And making us citizen scientists and really bringing awareness to these bugs. And if you see one, you say something to somebody or just at least be aware of a bug that doesn't look quite right, something you've not seen before. And you bring it to the um, attention of your extension office. And here in Georgia, almost every county has one. I think a couple of counties share uh, extension agents. But 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. If you're new to Georgia, you don't know where your extension office is or even really what they do for you. 1-800-ASK-UGA-1 is is how you'll find where it is in your county, who the extension agent specialist is in your county. And it's it's worth a conversation. It's definitely worth a conversation or going to a meeting or attending a virtual webinar to really see what things they're heightened to, but also they're there to help. They're a great resource for you. So that's just really something interesting that I wanted to share with you this morning. And these spotted lanternflies, they're they're really pretty. I mean, they're very marked moths. Um, They've got four wings and they almost look like the blades of a ceiling fan. And the top two are brown and spotted, very spotted, brown with black spots. And the bottom two wings have some red and some black and some white. So just be aware and do a little bit of research yourself. The ones in Georgia that I mentioned, emerald ash borer, an Asian longhorned beetle. Again, Dr. Coyle has come on the show and talked about that. Okay. So that is my rant for you. Another thing 
brought to my attention by a listener and a friend and a colleague, Sandra Parrish, part of our news team, our Capitol reporter, shared this on Facebook not too long ago. And she said, Ashley, I would really love it if you would share this with people because I had no idea. Her life was made miserable for a number of weeks because she uh, got into a little bit of Virginia Creeper up at her mountain house and broke out in a terrible rash, almost like you would with poison ivy, but had no idea Virginia Creeper is really going to do that once you come in contact with it. It may take two days. It may take four days to show up. But if you have an allergic reaction, it gets in your bloodstream. It can spread all over your body. So steroid shots, prednisone, that kind of thing may be the route you have to go because it can become so bad. So Virginia Creeper is the five leaf. We know that. Grows up the trees, grows you know along the ground. Obviously, poison ivy is the three-leaf one. When you're looking at poison ivy, the way you can tell for sure, because there are some vining things that are three-leafed that that aren't necessarily poison ivy. So when you look at the bottom leaves that are across from one another, not the one pointing straight up, but the ones that are at the bottom equal right beside each other, the top part of the blade of the leaf, the top part is smooth, and then the bottom edge of the leaf is serrated. And they're symmetrical. So that's how you know. There's The two leaves are symmetrical with one another. But the top, smooth, bottom edge is serrated. So that way you know poison ivy too. But I have had terrible, terrible outbreaks with poison ivy. So I felt so bad for Sandra not realizing Virginia Creeper. You know, and it's one of those things too. The older we get, our bodies change. Not necessarily in the way that we would like. But you may have never had a reaction. You've been a gardener for 20, 30 years and have never had, you know, never been bothered by any of that. And then all of a sudden, one day, you come just in enough contact with something like poison ivy, poison oak, something like that, and you're just made miserable. That's what happened to me. Never bothered me until I was in my 30s. Had the worst outbreak ever. So just always be careful. Wear long gloves. Wear the proper attire, especially being outside this time of year, too. A lot of folks warning each other in garden groups and Facebook pages and things about baby copperheads. So when you're dressed right, you're likely going to protect yourself if you're able to wear long sleeves, long gloves, obviously long pants. I mean, I I see a lot of men mowing the grass in shorts, which is fine if you can see what you're mowing into. But if you're kind of in a wetter, shadier area, I would not recommend wearing shorts. But tall boots, at least, at the very least, tennis shoes and socks, no flip-flops or sandals or anything like that when you're doing yard work. 404-872-0750 is the number to get in on Green and Growing. A good show for you today. I'm excited about it. Next Saturday, just make plans accordingly. The uh, Georgia Bulldogs game kickoff is at noon against Vanderbilt. So next Saturday, that means I go off the air at 8, an hour early, just for the pregame and the tailgate show to start. But today, with you for three full hours. Can't wait. When we come back, I'll give you the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend and your calls as well. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Well, other than my captive audience here in the studio, Brent and DeMarco, I know at least two people are listening. Good morning to Elizabeth listening in Woodstock and to TJ listening as well. I'm really glad you guys are out there. The weekend weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. You've heard meteorologist Christina Edwards say, yeah, you may have an isolated uh, little thunder shower here and there today. High of around 80, low around 70, partly to mostly cloudy 
I'm going to a barbecue festival at um, Atlantic Station later, and I really hope it doesn't get rained on. That's going to be a long, wet day. But then more rain, guaranteed, 60% chance tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday. The complete forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes here on 95.5 WSB. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Number one, according to my friend, certified aesthetic pruner, Norm Mitleider, you can trim Japanese maples now. You want to start out by cleaning out the dead limbs and duplicate branch systems that are crowding one another. If you have them rubbing against each other, if you have two that are parallel and the leaves are laying on top of each other, that's going to be a really good start for you, too. And we may speak to Pike Nursery next week, fingers crossed, about Japanese maples. Um, Now's a good time to buy them. Now's a good time to plant them. Some of the really pretty, colorful ones for fall. I mean, you're maybe not going to get enough, you know, color change if you plant one now, but in years to come, autumn blaze that turns bright red, just like the name would indicate in October. A sugar maple, just a fiery orange gold leaf, and appears illuminated almost so brilliant. A red sunset maple that's got great fall color and a good strong branch structure, kind of orange red again, brilliant red in the fall. And coral bark maple, a lot of you are familiar with that. Just as the name indicates, the bark is actually coral. It's this really pretty pinkish red. Uh, with yellow leaves in the fall. So that is just really a showstopper. People will stop in front of your house to look at that. Number two, uh, fire ants are most active in warm weather. You've seen that. Most people treat when they see active fire ants, but really right now, fall is the best time to fight them. You can apply the baits now. Consider using boiling water, too, to treat a mound near an area where you don't want to use any chemicals. But when you use the baits, it's best to do that kind of late in the afternoon, just before sunset, around dusk, when the outside temperature is between 60 and 90. So we're still kind of getting in that temperature range and no rain expected at least for 24 hours when you apply bait. And number three, if you haven't already, seed your lawn for tall fescue. Broadcast seed in one direction with the spreader, then go back in a direction diagonal in that in that just to ensure good seed drop. And then you've got to water it well for establishment. But hey, if you get out there today and do it, or maybe tomorrow, Mother Nature is going to water it for you. Now, just a word of caution, though. When you're seeding tall fescue right now, you're not using a pre-emergence herbicide because that's going to kill the grass seed. It doesn't know that that's not a weed seed. It's uh, non-discriminant, I guess, so it's going to kill that. So don't use the two together. We'll talk more with Clint Waltz coming up from the University of Georgia about that as well, kind of um, what to do, the best ways of how to do it and getting your lawn the best that it can be, being able to overwinter it, but then really having it strengthen up and green up and turn really nice in the spring and the summer. 404-872-0750 is the number to get on green and growing. We're going to take a break here shortly, and I want to give a shout-out as well and a huge thank you to the Henry County Master Gardeners who had me down to their symposium in McDonough last Saturday. That was such a great event, so well-organized I mean, amazing speakers. They had some great items for sale as well, too. And they were just so kind and so generous. So thank you to Carol and Andy and the rest of you for having me. That was a lot of fun. Prepared a great little talk. And I hope I hope I taught everybody a little thing or two about just fall gardening and getting ready for the fall. My favorite season. Everybody knows it. 404-872-0750. We'll be back. It's Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Right. 
caterpillar to a butterfly. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. About 6.37 on your Saturday morning. Good morning. Welcome to Green and Growing. I am glad you're here. You know what time of the show it is. There's a lot of show in store for you between now and 9 o'clock. But first, let's do this. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. Hey, my friend. Good Saturday morning. Let me ask you, Walter, how many cups of coffee have you had yet? I'd rarely, if ever, drink coffee. Cereal is my breakfast food of choice. (laughs) And cereal, I've already had a bowl, half a bowl anyway. I can tell the protein, the energy levels up. I have not even like made a dent in my first cup of coffee. So I gotta get, I gotta get going, my friend. (laughs) Blueberry morning, my favorite. Blueberry morning with little strawberries from somewhere else. Strawberries and oats. Mm, mm, mm. Good mm. stuff for Saturday morning. That does sound good. I, I'm going to miss the strawberries and the tomatoes from summertime, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's nice to have them fresh. Oh, sure yeah. Yeah. But something in the fall that we that we do like that we're going to get to enjoy is a lot of pumpkin. Oh, my gosh. I go crazy over pumpkin-flavored stuff. I'm good for like a month and a half, <laughs> and then I'm so burned out. Like, by Thanksgiving, I'm like, no more yeah, pumpkin right. beer, no more pumpkin muffins or bread, like, enough. But right now... I'm amped up. Dunkin' Donuts, their pumpkin stuff. Um, and a friend of mine <laughs> gave me pumpkin seeds, which I did last year from um, Adams Briscoe. I did a couple uh-huh. of pumpkin seeds and got beautiful vines. No pumpkins. That's my fault because I didn't have enough sun. So picked a different spot this year. Um, just with the heavy rains a couple of weeks ago, I mean, those things came up right away. And I wanted to ask you, now that I have them in a spot with more sun, um, how to maintain pumpkin vines, and here we are in the middle of September. Is it too late to go ahead and plant the seeds? Yeah, way too late to okay. plant seeds now. Um, but if you have vines up, and do you have any little pumpkins on there? Have you seen any fruit? Not yet. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you should be having some fruit on there by now. But, you know, the experience is good, and next year, more success, hopefully so. Um, pumpkins are like any of the squashes, gourds, cucumbers, the whole family of cucurbits. They always have male flowers that come on the vine. They exist on the vine and die daily. They fall off the vine. And then the female uh, flowers come on, and they are the ones that make the little pumpkins. That's such a fun thing for you know, parents to do with their kids. And then you have volunteers uh-huh. that just kind of show up the next year that you think, oh, my gosh, sure. where did these come from? It's fun for adults, frankly. <laughs> if you have a neighbor that has a squash vine, you can point out the female uh, flowers and the male flowers to them. Maybe they don't even know that's true, but it is. You could have female flowers on your pumpkin vine that makes a fruit, and you have male flowers that provide the pollen, and you can show them how you take the petals off the male flower and stick it into the female flower and, and circle it around and sing love songs to it, <laughs> make it have two colors of squash or pumpkins in there. That is, that's a good point. And, you know, it is sometimes hard for new gardeners to know the difference with the things that self-pollinate like that and the things that don't, you know, the things that need the pollen transferred from other things. Yeah, the squashes and and pumpkins, I say squash, pumpkin, cucumber, all require at least two and sometimes five visits of a pollinating insect during one day. Wow. 
So you got to have lots of bees or butterflies or things going from flower to flower to carry pollen around. That's one of the reasons I always suggest putting flowers around your squash, around your pumpkins, around your cucumbers, the flowers that attract uh, the pollinating insects. Lantanas are great with the plant. Lantana brings all sorts of pollinators in. And plant those around your vegetables, your your squash and, and cucumbers, et cetera. Much better fruiting on those vines if you have a pollinating plant, pollinator attracting plants nearby. What about cool season vegetables that are leafier or maybe the ones that grow underground like beets or radishes or carrots yeah. that don't require pollination, but you start them from seed just the same. They don't flower. Yeah. How does that work? Well, the flower, many times when you see the flowers, when the flavor begins to deteriorate, on carrots particularly, when they flower, boy, the carrot itself tastes nasty. But if you get to them and harvest them before the flowering comes, they're in great shape. The, flower, the carrot tastes really sweet and nice. And so if you have carrots in your garden now, it's time to begin looking at them and saying, you know, they're getting big enough. I think you need to harvest those now rather than wait for the flowering stage to come. You know what was something so pretty to me last year was the flower became light yellow, had some purple in it, and that was my broccoli bolting. So it was like, up oh, too late. Yeah. Like I totally missed yeah, taking the yeah. florets off the plant by like a day or two. And that's another one. Is, the bolting is a good word. If you need to know that word, bolting is when you have the flowers appear on your, you generally crucifers on broccoli and Brussels sprouts and uh, collards and kale and things like that when they bolt, when they send us a flower spike, that's when the flavor again begins to deteriorate. Now, what about um, for fall and Pike Nursery has so many of these cool, cool plants, ornamental pepper plants, I guess in the Pretty name, easy. ornamental, you know, maybe some of them we can't eat, but those are still like going gangbusters this time of year. Gorgeous. Yeah, man. Oh, man, that's been so much research in the last five to ten years on how to make different colors of the peppers. And oh. I've seen black ones and purple ones and orange ones and yellow ones. They're just all sorts of colors. And they're great for ornament in the uh, fall landscape or fall house decorating their front porch, you know, mm -hmm. flowering stuff that you want to put on the front porch for color. And if all those peppers are gorgeous, lovely plants. Yeah, and like you're saying, the different colored peppers, but on the same plant. So the same plant yeah, can right, be showing right, right, right. orange and purple and yellow. I believe they're red and black ones, too. So it's about that. Go dogs. <laughs> black and yellow ones for the, for the Georgia State Yellow Jackets. So yeah, I think they're red and black ones. So fun. Talking with Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, started off by talking about the pumpkin vines. And yeah, I planted my seeds a couple weeks late. But I'm just enjoying the vines nonetheless. Um, what are some other gourds, you know, things from the gourd family that we could enjoy? Yeah. We need to talk about lupus. Lupus oh. sponges that you have in your, in your bathroom come from a gourd, from a plant that you can actually grow in your own garden and produce your own lupus sponges. You give them as gifts, you use them yourself, whatever you want to do. But they're cultivated just like the pumpkin you were talking about earlier. You plant the seeds in the spring when it's uh, getting pretty warm outside and may be a good time. And the vines grow like crazy. They're like cousins. Those lupus gourds, vines just go everywhere. And by midsummer, you'll see the yellow flowers, of course, and you'll see the male and female flowers. We talked about that earlier, too. But the loofah sponge gourds are about a foot and a foot and a half long, usually. And the skin on them contains the inside, which is the spongy part. Mm -hmm. And you can wait until the 
skin has started turning yellow before you are day to start harvesting any of these gourds, the local gourds. But as the skin starts turning yellow, you harvest them, bring them into a place that's dry, like a carport or a garage or somewhere, and let them completely dry out. And the skin will crack. It'll turn light brown. It'll crack right off of the right off of the sponge. And inside there'll be the spongy part and about a million little lufa gourd seeds, which you can save for next year. That's so cool. You don't want those in the bathtub. But uh, the sponge, if it's not quite white enough, it's not quite uniformly colored for you. Soak in a little light uh, bleach solution. Bleach it out pretty, and you can wrap it up in ribbon, and it makes the greatest Christmas presents. Lovely Christmas presents for you. You cannot be in the kitchen without loofahs. Like, I mean, that's a good yeah, scrubber right. for the dishes, cleans sure the sink. Is, I mean, doesn't sure open is. everything. Goes through the dishwasher just fine if you want to reuse it a few times. Such sure, a good good, a good gourd. What's the one with the um the bumpy stuff? Like, you see them in the grocery stores with the pumpkins. They're they're bumpy, oh, almost they're, like a uh, witch's ward. That's a French one. I just call them warty. Warty pumpkins, yeah. warty gourds, warty. <laughs> and then the white pumpkins. Some, yeah, there's plenty of different kinds of pumpkins. There's some from Europe that we go now in America. The warty was, I think, from France. I first saw them at the Atlanta Flower Show 10 years ago. I guess the first time I ever saw them was warty pumpkins. But they're edible, so they could eat them and uh, open them up and make the squash recipes or pumpkin recipes. These are the one with the flesh inside. My favorite. Well, thank you so much, Walter, for talking about these. Next Saturday, if you don't mind, let's get in the headspace of uh, overwintering bulbs and, you know, thinking about the spring Ooh. flowering bulbs, what to be doing okay. now. That's a big topic. I will try to get my act together, and I will <laughs> see you next Saturday. See you next Saturday, friend. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me, too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. So as Walter and I are sitting there talking about gourds, I get a message from Mickey Gasway, you know, at the West Cobb Pike Nursery. And she's like, did you see the pictures that I took at the nursery of all the cool gourds and pumpkins? Like, I mean, it's just a spectacular show at all of the nurseries right now. So just put that up on the Facebook page on Facebook. Search Green and Growing WSB. Unfortunately, that's really the only way to uh, follow the show. I don't have a website. We do take the show and then make it commercial free. Put it up as a podcast on WSPRadio.com, and it's on Spotify, Google Play, and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, no website. Um, I'll tweet stuff every now and then about the show, but my Twitter account's used a lot for news and, and traffic information and stuff like that. But so the Facebook page is where you go to find out what's going on. 404-872-0750. If you're just waking up and you have plans today, perhaps Music Midtown, perhaps the Beer and Barbecue Festival at Atlantic Station, a lot of other really cool things going on around the city today. You'll want to know the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Partly to mostly cloudy, scattered rain showers and a few storms possible today. High around 80 and a low only reaching 70. And then rain Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, at least 60%. Cloudy, it's going to be kind of gross and humid. Highs in the upper 70s. The complete forecast coming up in less than 10 minutes from meteorologist Christina Edwards, who took over for Kirk Mellish in August. And we love Christina. She came from Huntsville, Alabama, and she's doing a fantastic job. So when you hear her, welcome her. If you haven't already, welcome her to Atlanta. I think she's from here, but, you know, went away. That's the nature of journalism. You kind of move away, take a job in another state, another market, just to really get your feet wet 
And then you come back home. You always come back home, just like I did. I went to Athens. I didn't even go that far. Went to Athens and came right back home. All right, DeMarco, if you don't mind, at this time of the show, I would like to do this. Green. Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Okay. Number one, if you haven't already, September is a great time to seed your lawn for tall fescue. When you're doing that, use the spreader. You want to go in one direction and then back in a direction diagonal to that to ensure good seed drop. Water well for establishment, which if you do that this weekend, you're not really going to need to water. But yeah, seeding is probably, you know, best done late September. So now's ideal. Um, October, you've got the whole month of October to really give that that seed a good chance to germinate and you'll be on your way. Number two, according to my friend and certified aesthetic pruner, Norm Mitleider, you can trim Japanese maples now. So if you if it looks pretty daunting and you're looking up at it going, where do I even start? Look for the dead limbs first. Dead limbs, clean those out. Anything that's bent, broken, dead. Duplicate branch systems. If they're crowding one another out, if they're running parallel to each other, if branches are rubbing or touching one another, those are good ones to remove. Start that way. And just be careful of any bees' nests as well as you're doing that. And number three, fire ants. Most active in warm weather. You've seen them all summer long. So most people tend to treat when they first see them active, but fall is actually the best time to fight them. You can apply baits now. When you're shopping for fire ant baits, you know, ortho, amdro, and combat, you know, they, they all make pretty good fire ant baits, and it's best to apply those late in the afternoon, like just before sunset, outside temperature. You're looking for it to be anywhere from 60 to 90, which we fall in that range this time of year, and no rain expected for at least 24 hours, so today may not be the time to do that. And if you're not really attracted to the idea of a bait, you're welcome to use boiling water to treat a mound near an area where you don't want to use any chemicals. So Walter Reeves has great articles on all of that you want to go to walterreeves.com and just type in fire ant. That's all you type, two words, fire ant, and you'll be able to kind of see a little more information if there's just things you're wondering about as far as having those little guys in the yard. And, you know, as we get into the fall season, you're going to have a lot less insect problems, especially if you're doing fall vegetables and fall crops, that kind of thing. You still have to be on the lookout uh, for cabbage looper and things like that. Um, but you're growing your lettuce, your spinach now, Everything leafy, kale, cabbage, uh, broccoli, and cauliflower. Those definitely need to be in sunny areas. You've already started the plants. Pike Nursery got them in in the last week or two, I believe. Um, They don't tolerate cold below 60 degrees as they're starting to grow. So that's why you want to get those things established now. But then as the vegetable parts of the plant starts to come on, that's really when it likes the, the cooler weather. And also broccoli, heavy feeders. So you need to do fertilizer um, and onions and herbs and that kind of thing. So it's so much easier to do vegetable gardening in the fall. The temperature is a lot more predictable. Rainfall is a lot more predictable, less pests. So I spoke to the Henry County Master Gardeners last Saturday and had a blast doing that. Went right from the studios here at WSB, drove down to McDonough. And I really enjoyed talking about fall gardening. And some of the notes that I had that I was just going to share with all of you Colorful plants for fall. And within the last few weeks, we've talked with Pike Nursery about some ideas as well. But people really taking good notes of some of these. If you're looking for those pops of color, you don't have to be sad that your summer annuals are starting to fade. Mums, of course, number one. Red, yellow, orange, purple, white. 
all of that. When you're shopping for mums, when you head to the nursery, make sure to buy the ones that the blooms are still tight. They haven't opened yet. The flower hasn't opened yet. Um, that's going to give you your showiest plant for sure. Don't try not to pick one up that's already all open. Deadhead them. Continue to just snip the dead blooms off. That'll encourage new blooms. Also, some of the other colorful things that I absolutely love. Ornamental peppers, which I'm going to give a coworker one as a gift. Ornamental peppers. Those are so pretty. Like Walter talked about red and black, purple, orange, yellow. And uh, that may be something fun that you can bring indoors, too, when the weather starts to get a little colder. Zinnias are still looking great. Attract a lot of butterflies and marigolds as well. Save those. You can save the flower, dry it out, and you'll have plenty of seeds to maybe do them next year. Also, ornamental grasses. That was really a fun one for me, thinking outside the box of plants. If you look at grasses that just create that wispy look or maybe even like a grain or wheat look, if you want to take a cutting and bring it inside. Red rooster is Carex. It's really, really pretty. Brown, great accent plant. Purple fountain grass. Of course, it has skinny purple blades with like an arching plume, a really delicate looking plume. And pink muley grass. That's a perennial. Pillowy plumes of pink at the top. Love pink muley grass. You see that now as well. 404-872-0750. We'll be back to green and growing. I hope you stay tuned on 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.